Alan Lazard mispractice for a second straight day. He had stepped on last week and now uh, having a hard time getting back uh, into the swing of things here. Uh, Jay Eight Krebs, one of our great listeners, tweeted this yesterday. If you think Alan Lazard is the reason the Packers win or lose this game, then you're a clown, uh, essentially is what he said. Uh, not to us, but just in general to, uh, to the ether. How big of a deal? Now, Rowdy, speaking of gambling lines, you were talking about this in about 6-10. Alan Lazard, if he doesn't play on Sunday, or even if he does, how does it affect the Packers' gambling line as they're favored by one and a half right now over the Vikings? Zero. Nothing. Nada. Zip. Zilch. Sammy Watkins probably would be your number one wide receiver. Samuel? Uh, oh, yes. Samuel Watkins. The only way that a wide receiver like Alan Lazard would ever affect the line would be like if uh, a wide receiver like Alan Lazard named Sammy Watkins and say Romeo Dobbs, they had a cluster injury at wide receiver where like three of them are down and all of a sudden <laughs> you're grabbing injury. like Jawan Winfrey. <laughs> then that injury and those injuries would actually matter towards the line is when you have a cluster injury. But yes, an individual player like Alan Lazard or even whether it be Sammy Watkins or anybody on this receiving core, <clears throat> they're not worth anything. Yeah. If, uh, if Adams, because you know, Adams missed some games in his career. Yeah. When Adams was down, he might have affected the line by half a point. I think we all know that Devontae Adams quite a bit bigger than Al, or better than Al Lazard. There's no doubt about that. Uh, also on the injury front, David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins on that line, as well as Darnell Savage and tight end Robert Tunyon. They were limited in participation for practice, but here's the thing. Head coach Matt LaFleur says the signs are pointing toward the duo that is David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins ready to play come mm. Sunday against the Vikings. Oh, that is a lot long. bigger, Rowdy and RJ, right, than one, I would say, Alan Lazard playing or not playing. Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari. One million percent. One million. If you Move get Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari playing, obviously Bakhtiari being a top five left tackle, one healthy, a lot of people argue that left tackle is the second most important position on the football field behind quarterback because they protect the quarterback's blind side. Yes. Unless you play with the weird, wrongly left-handed quarterback. <laughs> but I digress. Uh, we love yes. your lefties. Elton Jenkins is probably your most valuable and most versatile offensive lineman. He can play any position close to an all-pro level, and then you get back, when healthy, an all-pro left now, tackle. Those two guys would be worth more to your line than in Alan Lazard or some casual receiver. Yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Rowdy. Uh, I think Mike Clemens once said Elton Jenkins was the, uh, was uh, Brian Gutekunst's best draft pick ever, and you said, you know what, Mike, I agree with you. I think you're right. Or is that the other way around? Um, I think that's actually the situation where, <laughs> have you ever watched The Office? Uh, the show The Office? Yes. Yeah, of course, yes. Where Michael Scott copies the Wayne Gretzky quote? Yeah, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Michael Scott... Wayne, Wayne Gretzky, Gretzky Michael, Michael Scott. Scott. Yeah, I think uh, so for what you were talking about, I think that line that you said was actually Rowdy Razor quote Mike, Mike Clemens. Now, if I remember correctly, there was a conversation. I was being a little facetious right there. There was a point in time where Rowdy asked Mike Clemens a question. Mike, a lot of people say Jair Alexander would be Brian Gutekunst's best traffic, but I think it's Elton Jenkins. And then was it a week later? Maybe two days later, maybe, Mike Clemens said, Rowdy, you posed a question to me, and you said Jair Alexander, but I think it's been Elton Jenkins. Yeah, so he didn't really answer the question when I asked Big Jade, him, Rowdy and then Harden. I stated who I thought it actually yeah. was. Then a week later, he reiterated the question but said and you then said Jair. took my answer and said I'd said ah! Jair Alexander. But he said... Elton Jenkins. So uh, getting Elton Jenkins back, huge for the Packers. Getting David Bakhtiari, huge for the Packers. Uh, Mike. Uh, speaking of Mike, he did send me an email. Ooh. Well, of course, that's a given. With sound? The sun came up today, Ebo. Uh, I think Mike was sending these emails when the sun came out. This one I got at 2.30 a.m. Oh, the sun at, was not coming out. And at 3.30, at 3.30, I was awoken from my slumber to uh, my phone making noises. Mike Clemens liked one of my tweets. Oh. So he was still up at 3.30 sending emails. But in one of his emails, he sent something of Matt LaFleur. And LaFleur talking about, you know, because we're talking about these ACL injuries, right? David Bakhtiari said this, like, nightmare, his words. 
He hopes to wake up from it someday. I hope he wakes up on Sunday from this ACL injury. Elton Jenkins ACL injury. Bob Tunyon ACL injury. Matt LaFleur was asked about what determines when these players coming back from ACL injuries will return this week. Here's more from uh, Matt. Each guy is their own person, and they're going to heal at different rates, and we'll see where each guy is. But you can never lump one guy into a category like that. Guys recover at, at different rates, and sometimes the injuries, although they may on the surface level look the same, none of them are the same. So there are always little intricacies that may affect one more than the other. All right, so everyone's at their different times. I have no problems or uh, you know qualms or anything about Elton Jenkins coming back. Everything's been pointing for him to come back. Correct. I still am a little leery on one David Bakhtiari to see how he actually plays. Rowdy, when's the last time we saw Bakhtiari play? Well, it was the the Detroit game. And it was for it was what, the very like last 17? game of the season when we also a saw few, Jordan Love play. A few snaps, if that. No, he played like a half. Did he? Okay. And then, I mean, are we thinking Bakhtiari is going to no, be back to his all-pro level? Because he played like a full half, and that was where they kind of uh, they played all the starters for a half, and it, it just looked like something normal, right? Like, yeah. hey, they are beating up on the Lions early here. Rodgers is getting out of the game. Bakhtiari looked good. Let's get him out of the game. Well, then after the game, they were saying he was having knee soreness. He was having uh, fluid on the knee and that this was actually not a good thing. Like <laughs> he's coming out. Yeah, because he's hey, this, this isn't good. I think if you this watch it optics wise, you didn't think that that's why they were taking out David Bakhtiari. You thought he was coming out with the starters like everyone else. Yeah. But like I've been saying, it sounds like I don't have his medicals, but it sounds like it's nothing structural. There's nothing wrong with his ACL or his knee. It's all it's fluid, fluid related. And yeah. when that fluid builds up pain and builds tolerance. up, it becomes painful. Pain and how tolerance. much pain can you go through? But then there's another thing where it's like, hey, you go year after year after year and you can't get rid of this fluid and you have to keep getting it drained and you continue to have pain in it. At some point, you just got to say, yeah. this is what my knee is. You should just take a like a drain in there and just leave it tore it all oh a drain sorry <laughs> hey. i thought you were talking about painkillers tore it all it up <laughs> yeah just let's i know it's terrible for the body but just yeah, just, just just jam full of tore it all yeah rowdy you're totally right it's like it, it's pain tolerance or eventually you gotta ask yourself am i gonna be as good as i once was toby keith as an all pro or or as i'll ever be or is it be, or is it my career has just come to an end? Which yeah, would be and I think terrible. It, I think this is the year that makes or breaks David Bakhtiari because if he can play through the pain and they can figure out how to get it drained and how to like take care of it, keep it's, all the inflammation down, then he's probably going to be serviceable pretty good for the next couple of years. But if he has to go through, you know, getting it drained once every couple of weeks, yeah. or he, you know, his knee is so swollen by the time he gets done with the game and it's killing him, he can barely walk by the time they come back to the facilities. It's like, that's not going to, how many more years would he want to actually physically do that? I wouldn't imagine long. That'd be, that'd be tough. And he had the weird comment to, I think it was Rob Demosky where he's like, Hey, you know, I'm going to try and, and get through this season. We'll see if I can (laughs) like that on its surface when he says I'm living a nightmare and he hasn't really talked about that again. And then he's telling Demosky where he's like, yeah, I think I can figure out how to get through a season. Yeah, that's not good. Normally, people that don't doesn't... describe their upcoming year as, I'm going to try to get, get through, through the this. season. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard anyone describe an NFL season like that that wasn't, like, badly injured. Well, do you yeah. remember... Um, Some people describe their work days as like that. Uh, do you remember a guy that today. used to be a stud? He used to play for the Rams. Um, running back. Todd Gurley. Oh, oh yeah. Knee issues. Guy yeah. was absolute beast. Yeah. In Georgia... Stud. He was probably even better than Nick Chubb in Georgia. And then what happened? Remember when he wasn't used at all in the, was it the Super Bowl? Knees. Well, that this is the or other leading thing. up to the Super Bowl. He was an absolute stud for the Rams yeah, when he's he a was phenom. young. And then he started having the knee problems. And do you remember? No, he's gone. He, I think he had his knee drained and he had some fluid on his knee and he couldn't shake it. And if you remember, they quit using him, like you were saying. Yeah. And then they all just of a sudden. They stopped using him. They're like, what's up with Gurley? Like, no, he's fine. And he had that huge contract he just signed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they kept looking at his knee because it was never right again after all that. Well, it turned out that he had a. I think they did diagnose it as like a degenerative knee Yeah, yeah. where he just had old knees. He had bum knees. There wasn't <laughs> anything you could do about it. He was just done. Sounds he, like he needs QC kinetics, regenerative medicine. <laughs> he just has old knees. I just love that. He just has old knees. Like, uh, like your guy, Greg Oden. Had old knees. Well, well he's he just, also had an old face. Yes. I think he has a Benjamin button thing going on there. 
I remember watching. I think Ray like, Golden's like the his, living Benjamin Button. His first game against Wisconsin, and he had a dunk. And when and he goes to do like the primal scream after, and it's like you see this old looking dude at all. Ah, yeah, I'm like, ah. And I think he wasn't screaming because of the dunk. I think he screaming because his knees hurt. <laughs> his like, ah, his nah. knees just blew up. Nah. Well, have you heard from Todd Gurley since? No, he hasn't. He's uh, played since 2020. Yeah, exactly. Because his knees are shot. Yeah, he is not retired, but it sounds like teams have reached out to him, but he said, nah. Because he's got old knees. The old knee syndrome. And it's unfortunate, but... Especially when it rains, they really hurt. Especially being mm-hmm. a running back. But think about this. He's a running back, so he's got to run and cut, and he's got to be good moving side to side straight ahead. Yeah. David Bakhtiari is a bigger man with more weight on his knees. Yeah. And, by the way, he has to move side to side really well and have really good footwork and technique because... Look at some of the animals he has to try and block. Let's see. Todd Gurley is 6'1". He listed at 224 pounds. Todd Gurley? Yeah. That's a, David Bakhtiari listed at 6'4", 310 pounds. Exactly. He's got almost 100 pounds extra weight <laughs> on his knees. My knee! And, and Gurley's not trying to stay in front of every, anyone. Gurley makes his own movements, opening up in holes. Bakhtiari's got to shadow some of the most athletic men in this league. Is that one of the big things we're going to be watching for Sunday? David Bakhtiari and the mobility of those knees or the knee. Uh, one of the biggest X factors we were talking about when last Friday when we were at Pooley's was they, well, I was talking offensive line. You brought up the tight ends. It looks like Big Bob Tunyon is going to be uh, ready to go. X factor, but it's or not X factor, but a question mark. Huge question. Big mark. question mark. And we were talking about this Friday at Pooley's, or was it Saturday at the tailgate? One or the other. We were talking about it, maybe both. So it looks like Big Bub Tunyon is going to be ready to go. Um, well, the Packers need him. Yeah, because Mercedes Lewis, but outside of throwing a couple mean blocks, I don't know how much he's going to be moving the well, needle. Well, Mercedes Lewis is what he is. He was a guy in his, you know, roughly his 20s that was a great receiving tight end in Jacksonville. He's an athletic dude. He was a big guy. He could run. Then when he hit 30, obviously father time started to set in, and now he's on the uh, the back end of his career. And he's, you know, on the wrong side of 30, actually creeping up closer to 40. He's a guy that, yeah, he still has good hands. I mean, he's still a great blocker. But once he catches the football, a lot of that athleticism he had in his 20s, it's not on the same level as where it was 10 years ago. It's not the Jaguars. And that's no fault of his own. I mean, the guy's done a phenomenal job adapting to the NFL and adapting to becoming a run-blocking tight end. So he's stayed around this long. That he just kind of is what he is. He'll catch the football for you, but then he's he's gonna have to rumble a little bit because yeah. it's not a lot of flash anymore. So uh, Aaron Rodgers and Big Bob Tony, obviously Mercedes Lewis and Rodgers have a really good rapport. I don't I mean, have faith in any other tight end on the roster outside of those two. I mean, DeGuara showed flash in his first two years. I keep him dropping that pass against the Niners. Yeah, two two games in his first year, he showed flashes. Then he tears his ACL, misses the rest of the season. Last year was pretty much a disappointment, and then. Tyler Davis is the other tight end that they kept. He's, he's. great athlete, but uh, to be a to be a good NFL tight end, you have to be an athlete, and uh, you have to catch the football and hold on to the football. He struggled catching the football and holding on to it. Yeah, that's uh, a big issue. It's like it's like the receiver that's really athletic and really fast, but he can't catch. Receivers are supposed to catch. Yes, their main job would be to catch the ball. So outside of those top two and and. Who knows what Tunyon's going to look like game one? He hasn't played in an NFL game since about uh, Halloween-ish time. So, I mean... Oh, the last time Tunyon, Tunyon played in a game, he had short hair. Now you're looking, he's got that top knot. A samurai that I was rocking during COVID. Rowdy, speaking of Tunyon, though, he talks about him and Rogers being in a good place right now. I got a good rapport. Take a listen. I think that we continue to just get closer together and grow together and trust in each other. And sometimes we just go out there and not even think and just make effortless plays or just um, in like instinctual plays. So I think just continuing to do that and trust each other is you know pretty solid for us. So they're in a really good place right now, Rowdy. Tony continues to say. And Lafleur was talking about him trending to be you know ready to go on Sunday, Week One. Also, big news we talked about it a little bit ago, but Bakhtiari and offensive lineman uh, Elton Jenkins also looks like they're going to be ready to go for week one. Big news for the Packers on an offense. This is Alan Lazard's the only question mark. And I got J8 Krebs tweeted in yesterday. If you think Alan Lazard's the difference of winning or losing this game, you're crazy. What are we thinking about this offense? Aaron, jo- who's going to be the leading rece- have the leading receptions? Aaron Jones? Well, Rob Reichel called for Aaron Jones. How many balls do you really think Aaron Jones is going to catch? 
Like, like, I, like, I don't know. I honestly don't have a real... What do you think the old runner would be set at, like, five and a half? I, I don't have a good grip on who will be the re- leading receiver. I'll, you know, especially with Lazard not playing, because he probably would be just with the chemistry and, and the fact that he's been on this roster for the last couple of years. He's played with Rodgers. I mean, Sammy Watkins is brand new. Yeah. Romeo Dobbs is brand new. Christian Watson is brand new. Samari Toure is brand new. All these guys are are pretty much brand new to this roster outside of Lazard, and he's not going to be there. Yeah. Aaron Jones is a, ca- a pass-catching running back. A.J. Dillon, who knows if maybe A.J. Dillon father. catches four or five balls. Well, we could totally see that. I think anybody's live, to be honest. It's who's going to get open. Whoever gets open, open is going to catch the football. Who's open and who... Uh... He's got some good stick him on their hands to make sure they got it. Who do you think is going to be the biggest problem for the Packers on the Minnesota Vikings roster? Like, I think the easy answer could be Justin Jefferson because, I mean, if you look at what Justin Jefferson did to the Green Bay Packers last season in the first game, it wasn't great for the Green Bay Packers. I feel like eight, Delvin Cook always carves up the Packers. Too. Eight catches, 169 yards against the Packers in Week 10 last year. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, like you said, Delvin Cook, they've been able to run it down the Packers' throats. Now the Packers have a better defensive line. I think you would easily argue that the inside linebacker position with Devondre Campbell coming back and then drafting Quay Walker yeah. is much improved. Yep. I don't know. Del... Del- Packers and Minnesota Vikings running backs, they always make them look like juggernauts. Uh, from AP to Delvin Cook. Um, I'm a little nervous of Delvin Cook, but yeah, Justin Jefferson is a baller. But I think that's that's the easy answer would be those two, but I think the guy you need to look out for, it's Adam Thielen. Yeah. Because here's my reasoning why I think Adam Thielen could be the difference maker for the Vikings. Delvin Cook, run the football. We know they're going to run at least... 20, he's going to get 20 carries mm-hmm. because that's just what they do. They they run the football. We know that Justin Jefferson's going to get targets. He's just that good. But with the improved defensive line, an improved inside linebacker position, you would hope that they could somewhat contain Delvin Cook. Like they could they could make it a tough day for Delvin Cook. He's going to get his touches. Totally. Oh, yeah. But it could be a tougher day where he might get 20 carries and he might only have 80 yards. But then... The Justin Jefferson thing, when they were playing with Jefferson and he busts out, Jair Alexander's got a bad shoulder. Yeah. Eric Stokes was in his 10th game. He's a rookie. And Rasul Douglas was just kind of hitting the scene. You have Jair Alexander being healthy, and then you have Savage or Amos that you could drag over the top. I feel like that could uh, help contain Justin Jefferson. But then what are you going to do with Adam Thielen? Because then Adam Thielen would say be... Eric Stokes is definitely the lesser of the two corners, though he's good. Yep. But you probably won't have enough guys to say, you're not going to go two guys over the top of Jefferson and Thielen. I think Thielen uh, could be the guy that's getting a lot more open looks. I'm going to go with Thielen's going to be the X factor for the Vikings. He's pretty good, too. Justin Jefferson, Delvin Cook, Adam Thielen could be the big X factor in your eyes. And rightfully so. A lot of attention is going to be in Justin Jefferson and Delvin Cook. Adam Thielen, no schlep. Who's the X factor, though, for the Green Bay Packers? Sunday against the Do I have to Vikings. name one player? Can I name a position? You, you can name whatever you want to name, dude. I think I'm going to go with running Special back. Special teams. Oh. Running back. And it's going to be the two-headed monster between A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. One, well, clearly those are the two running backs that are going to be taking carries. Yep. How well can the Green Bay Packers run the football against the Vikings? Because we know LaFleur likes to try and be a balanced offense. We've seen that ever since he became that coach of the Green Bay Packers. Then on top of that, we have guys like our uh, one of our Packer reporters, Rob Reichel, that's saying, Rubby. hey, Aaron Jones might be the leading receiver when it's all said and done. At the end of the day, he might catch the most passes. Well, if they're going to be running the football and Aaron Jones is going to be catching passes, we know A.J. Dillon can be catching passes. We know Dylan could be more of the goal line back. He's the truck. I'm going to say the running back position between Dylan and Jones because if they can, if they can rush together for like roughly 125 yards, yeah. and say they have like 80 receiving yards together and seven, eight catches, that's going to be a lot of the offense, especially in a game where we just talked to Raphael. the The total is ticking down. Yeah, uh, X factor for me. 
I really want to say Sammy Watkins. I really want to go out and say Sammy Watkins, you know, coming back from all his injuries and getting with Aaron Rodgers. He's saying all the right things, saying, didn't he say that Aaron Rodgers, he'd rather have him over Patrick Mahomes? Same thing with Devontae Adams and who's better, him or Derek Carr. And he's like, well, Derek Carr. Yeah, well, he could be a Hall of Devontae then came out and had to recorrect himself to be like, well, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I was just, you know, trying to support my team. Uh, Sammy Watkins is like, Aaron Rodgers all day, and he never came out to like recorrect any statements. It would be a real story for me if Sammy Watkins had played for the Packers previously and then was on the Chiefs working with Mahomes, and he's like, nah, Aaron Rodgers is better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because he's played actual games with Patrick Mahomes. He's had very limited time in practice of one Aaron Rodgers. My favorite thing, though, for like the the people in the NFL know when they're always like, Oh, especially when Patrick Mahomes, not that he's not out of his prime, but when he just was hitting the scene and making those no look passes and, and making some of those throws across his body and doing all this stuff. Yeah. They're like, Oh my God, Patrick Mahomes is doing things that no one has ever done before. Well, I mean, I've seen Brett Favre throw no look bullets at receivers. I've seen Aaron Rodgers make 70 yard throws across his body. Yeah. Literally, Patrick Mahomes is doing things that I watched growing up as a Packer fan. Yeah. So is is he a great talent? Of course he is. Is he is he probably the best quarterback in the league right now, skill wise? Probably is. Aaron Rodgers is right there with him though, and we saw Aaron Rodgers do that from what twenty ten to now. Yeah. His whole career essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in football from probably twenty eleven till. 2018 when he had that down year, but you can't tell me you would skill wise thrower of the football wise would take anybody else, but Aaron Rodgers for that eight year stretch. Yeah. Give me Aaron Rodgers all day and twice on Sunday. Also, he's now he's reborn Ebo the last couple of years and he's won back to back MVPs and they don't ask him to throw like Mike McCarthy did. No. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, hell, I mean, we're going to be seeing, as you said, the running backs, right? A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are going to be absolutely crushing it. And Aaron Rodgers, we know, can hit the timely passes. And I've always said this. I think a lot of people have always said this. Aaron Rodgers makes the wide receiver. If Alan Lazard's not a go, that's not, obviously it's a blow, but it's not a huge concern. Looks like Rob Tunyon's going to be back. Looks like uh, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins going to be back to protect Aaron Rodgers. And then the thing I'm really curious on, Rowdy, I think our whole lives as Packer fans, uh, outside of maybe a handful of years, it's always been a defense that stinks and disappoints you, and you're like, oh, my God, how how is Dom Caper still around? How how do I let Mike Patton still walk around here? Nah, nah, nah. Brody, game one, is that enough to know if a defense is legit or not? The likes of Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, uh, Delvin Cook. Let's say the Packers defense stops these guys and Kirk Cousins. Are we saying to ourselves, are we getting our hopes up that the defense is the real deal, that they could be a top five, top three, held the number one defense in the league for well, one everyone, game? Everyone was saying they were going to be top five like in April yeah. after the draft, May. I said, let's pump the brakes. Some people were calling that they would be the best. Others were, most people were saying top five. I said, I'd be all right with top 10. Let's just see what happens. And will this game tell me that they're going to be that great even if they do shut down the Vikings and say they shut the Vikings out and they look just dominant. I'm not going to hop on that bandwagon saying they're the best defense. And the reason being is, look at game one last year. They got throttled by the Saints. Did you think that defense was going to be that great when you saw the Saints hang that? There were people that were very upset because that was uh, Joe Barry's first year. Then if you remember the first three quarters against the Lions in game two, yeah. where the Lions offense was lighting up the Packers defense. Yeah. And then game three, Joe Barry and the defense settled in and they played pretty well. They yeah, everyone pretty, on Joe Barry fired right away. Yeah. There were people calling after the Lions game that Joe Barry probably wasn't the right guy for the job. Well, they ended up turning that around very significantly down the stretch and missing good players. Zadarius Smith didn't play. Yeah. Johnny Alexander didn't play very much. They had big time names that were on the sidelines and they still came together. So would I be would I be confident that they could be a top five team if they came out and looked really, really good? Yeah, that, yeah, would, totally. that would make me feel better. But to it's say all of a sudden thing. they're the best defense, I'm gonna pump the brakes a little bit. That's the one thing, like you gotta let that all unfold. Uh, people can talk all offseason about the Packers having the best defense out there. Well, I need to see it because all the things I've seen the rest of my years as Packer fans been abysmal. Can the special teams do any worse? Th- now, they were the worst-ranked unit last year. 
Amari Rogers still taking kickoff and punt returns. Rich Basaccia hopefully can uh, ascend this special teams. That's another thing I'm looking out for because how many times do we see special teams just like that Bears? I know the Packers won, but that Bears game, oh my God. And will Mason Crosby still have the golden leg? The special teams, big time circle around it for me. I know like it's the same thing with the defense. You want to, you're not going to believe that this special teams that has been so bad for 10, 15 years is all of a sudden going to be serviceable or at least middle of the road until you see it. Do I think they're going to trend in in a better direction? Of course. They even said Matt LaFleur, if we need to use starters, we will rich Basaccia sounds like a guy that commands respect and that uh, when he talks, even Matt LaFleur listens. And if he says, I need a guy, they're going to give him that guy to be able to play on special teams. I don't think this is going to be a top 10 special teams, <laughs> but if they're but hopefully not dead last, if they're 20 to 15, I think every oh. single Packer fan will take it Improved, and they'll, yeah. they will act like they are elite. Dave Essler joins us. Our gamble to the stars. Good morning, Dave. You handsome devil. You. Hey, good morning, Evo. I don't know that. Uh, I, I think I probably outkick my coverage as far as uh, that handsomeness thing goes. Uh, Dave, you um, you're, you're a looker, dude. You're a looker. You know that? Why? Because you uh, have make us a lot of money with your awesome bets. And when you got a lot of money, it doesn't matter what you look like. You're handsome no matter what. Yeah, that's true. And you're ugly when you lose. I know how that goes. <laughs> hey, I'm sure Rowdy told you, but he got a win last night of the under of the Bills and the Rams. Were you have anything in play for that game yesterday? Yeah, I had the under as well. I mean, I, I didn't see Buffalo scoring 41, 31 points, but... You know, were you sweating did, it out a bit? No, I mean it's you know it's funny that um, when you have an under or you have an over, you're always thinking about ways you could possibly lose that bet in the fourth quarter. Rowdy, do you go with Dave there? Were you thinking of ways that you could possibly lose well, in the if fourth I'm quarter? On an under, I want to see like the game be. 10 to 7 at the end of the game. I don't even care if the total was at 52. I just want, I want like no points at all. And then when I'm on the over, like Dave said, I want the North Carolina Appalachian State game where the one team goes over by themselves. I don't even want it to be in question at all. I had that over, by the way. Hey Dave, how how good is it? Great does it feel to have the NFL finally back for our uh, our viewing and betting prowess here? Well, it feels great because if I don't make another NFL bet for the rest of the season, I can tell you that I went undefeated in 2022. I mean, do you abide by the you quit while you're ahead? You know, leave on a high note like George Costanza does? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> well, let's get right back on the horse, Dave. What are we looking at in the NFL here, my friend? Um, yeah, I like a lot. Uh, I think my favorite bet in the NFL this week is the Chargers. I mean, I, I think the Raiders are just getting too much respect. You know, the, I mean, they went 4-0 in the regular season, didn't beat anybody, but Derek Carr didn't take a snap. Uh, so no, no, no timing work with Devontae Adams. Uh, I think that's going to hurt him. And, and you just look at the season win totals. The Raiders is, is still sitting at only 8.5, so that's basically saying that they're a 500 team. And uh, the Chargers season win total is ten and a half, which is is pretty predictable. And the way the Raiders finished last season, I think they went five and five and didn't score seventeen points in seven of those games. So I think LA is a far better team. The bookies think LA is a far better team. I like the Chargers. Rowdy, you were kind of on that too, weren't you? Weren't you going Chargers on them? Yeah. Oh. Justin Herbert's just out of that draft. He's probably even with Joe Burrow being in that draft, Justin Herbert's probably been the most consistent quarterback. And that's saying something because we're talking about Joe Burrow, who's just in the Super Bowl. And they added on defense. They added to the secondary. They added uh, Khalil Mack to Bosa. That's going to be a really good defensive line. Yeah, Yeah, they also uh, added J.C. Jackson, a cornerback, former New England guy, and the Patriots thought enough of him to let Stephon Gilmore go, so... I think, yeah, I mean, their defense needed upgrading, but it's so much easier to upgrade a defense uh, with a few strokes of a pen than it is an offense. So I don't think, I don't think their defense is going to be as semi pathetic as it was last year. Hey Dave, I know you said you had a lot that you liked and I just, you know, I want to get a little greedy and get another one or two from you. But uh, personally, there's a game that I really like. Well, for my viewing pleasure, that's going to be our green Bay Packers at us bank stadium to take in the Minnesota Vikings Packers uh, favored by 
one and a half points. Alan Lazard, their wide receiver, missed back-to-back practices. I don't know if he's going to be playing on Sunday. Sammy Watkins would be the number one. Do you see anything gambling-wise here for the Packers-Vikings game with the Packers favored or the over-under sitting? I see at 47. Yeah, that's kind of a low over-under for the for the Packers games. I mean, I think that that's somewhat reflective of, of Adams leaving and, and Minnesota being sort of doubtful. I'm inclined to, to like the over uh, maybe the first half under, you know, teams are going to kind of feel each other out. Defenses are typically out of offenses, but when they're expecting that kind of a close game, I, I think you'll see a fourth quarter of, oh, we need to score, oh, we need to score, oh, we need to score. Um, I, I like Minnesota in a teaser getting them up over seven and a half. Man. Uh- that would, that would be the only way I could play that game. Okay, gotcha. Dave, just full disclosure, uh, I think you already know where I'm going with this. Packers, by the way, are going to win and uh, and cover that one and a half in my eyes. But, Dave. Yeah, as, long as, long as, as long as they don't cover the seven and a half, I'll be fine. <laughs> what else are you looking at around the NFL, Dave? Oh, speaking, speaking, yeah. speaking of middles, I, 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 I heard uh, I heard Rowdy there talking about a, an over-under rushing prop, and he can he can get under 57 uh, or he can get over 34, something like that. And I thought we had talked about this before, Rowdy. Don't you want to take both and go for the middle, take over 34 and under 57? I mean, that that could be something very, very interesting, especially if we get our sports director on the horn who gave out the his personal number of 57 and a half. Now, Dave, full disclosure, I was texting with our sports director last night who covers you know, all Wisconsin sports, big Wisconsin football guy. Uh, he was kind of in the grips of addiction. He had a couple of very large mugs of beer uh, while he was watching Thursday Night Football, and he set that line himself. I don't know if... Does is a line setter and a gambler? Does alcohol ever come into place? Like, hey, I didn't mean that. That was the booze talking, not me. No, I'll I'll tell you that I don't drink. So, well, I, not never, but as a rule. But what what I what I have done, uh, <laughs> even even with a blood alcohol content of zero, is uh, hit the wrong thing in the drop down menu when I've been in a hurry and 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 bet the opposite of what I wanted to. Um, so then you sit there and go, oh crap! You know, do I buy it back? Do I leave it? And you know, actually, more often than not, I I did the right thing by doing the wrong thing. <laughs> I don't know. I think these text right messages the uh, with this individual they are about as locked in as a real contract. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think. So, Dave, you what know? you're saying is you don't drink any more, but you also don't don't drink any less, right? That's pretty. I know I drink a lot less <laughs> when I was when I. <laughs> Yeah, there was a time. There, um, there was a time, my there, friends. There was, there a, was time. a time. Uh, Dave, uh, anything else football-wise, uh, NFL or college, that you'd uh, be so gracious to give out to us? Well, I actually am going to probably bet against my Patriots in the NFL. Oh! Um, yeah, I mean, i got to admit, this is, you know, I'm usually, I'm like you guys with the Packers. I, I have a pulse on what they're going to do, and I, I'm usually pretty accurate. But this year, i got to tell you, it's the first time in forever that I really don't know what they're going to do. I mean, you know, you don't hear anything neg- positive out of that out of that team, and you hear all the talking heads and ex-players sort of really bashing uh, the whole the whole system, if you will. And you know, I think the Dolphins are going to be better than people think. I mean, when they when they added Tyreek Hill, that that's going to make Waddle better. Um, I think that. Uh, Tua with the weapons. I mean, even their running backs, you know, Edwards and Mostert, those are probably the best running backs they've had in 10 years. So I don't think, I don't think Tua has to be good. I think he just has to not suck. Uh, and, and the Patriots didn't, the Patriots didn't do well in Miami, even when the Patriots were good. So I definitely am of the mind that Miami probably starts that two decades of payback, uh, tonight. Man. I, in college, uh, I think my favorite bet is Brigham Young, um, Baylor at BYU. I mean, you know, Baylor put up 69 points on Albany, but nice. you know, Albany's defensive line averages about 250, which is a which is a Wisconsin cornerback. So, I mean, it, it's it's hard to imagine the Bears not scoring. Um, what's amazing is that Albany actually scored 10 points and put the ball in the end zone in the first quarter. So, you know, uh, I don't I don't have a lot of faith in in uh, in Baylor at all. In fact, uh, Baylor kind of beat the crap out of BYU last year, so they also have a little bit of a, a revenge thing going on there. And 
You know, so Baylor played a practice game. BYU uh, actually beat a real team, South Florida, on the road <laughs> that a lot of people gave South Florida a chance to, to be covered. And then the, the thing here is the, the much, much lower-ranked team, BYU, is actually favored. Uh, so that should tell you uh, all you need to know as far as I will bet BYU. All right. Dave, do you, do you prescribe to the, I guess, the reasoning behind BYU always being a physical team because they recruit uh, people from the Mormon religion where they're always 25 years old by the time they get to college? Because I kind of chuckle yeah, at I, that. I think, I, I think it's that, and I think it's the fact that um, they can't have sex, so they have all this really pent-up anger. Ah. They just take it out of the football field. I always field. chuckle at that because I'm like, you're talking about some of the freakish guys that are, you know, in Division One sports. Just focused on the at, game. At 22 years old versus 25, these guys are extremely strong next to anybody. Yeah, and they get all these guys from Samoa. So, I mean, you know, they, they have a competitive advantage before they take the field. And they're just focused on the craft, Dave. No women. No sex. We're just focused on football, baby. That's it. One yeah. thing and one thing only. Football. Hey, I don't. I don't. I don't disagree with you. It's fun. <laughs> I just have to ask, and you, you know, you can pass or say you know, whatever you want on this one. Obviously, I've, you know, I'll never tell you what to say or do, Dave. But our Wisconsin Badgers, seventeen and a half point favorites, Washington State. They they covered against Illinois State last week, thirty eight to nothing. Uh, thirty eight to nothing. They blanked them. They covered. Yeah, Wisconsin seventeen and I actually expected that line to be bigger, to be honest with you. So uh, that's a little bit telling. I mean, you know, I think you guys talked about it earlier. Wisconsin State had a nice win over Idaho. Um, but, <laughs> the but, Vandals. You know, yeah, they were tied at 10 at halftime. <laughs> they were tied at 10 at halftime with an FCS school. So um, 10 points, and they, and they fumbled the ball three times. I think that gets in your head. Uh, no confidence in even trying to make a case for the Vandals. Um, bearing that in mind, you know we, we know what we know what the Badgers have to do next, and and I can see them sort of screwing around in the second half. So if I'm betting that, I, I think the Badgers minus ten first half. Okay, I would like to, I would like to get a nine and a half. I know some books still had nine and a half, but at ten it would still only be a push and not a loss. So if all I could find was ten, I would still do it. And other... what also surprised me is that total is a little higher than I thought. So that would tell me that there's going to be room for margin. So, okay. you know, I'll, I'll go with Big Red. Is there any? Not the, not, not the coin. I know, I know what you meant. I know what you meant. Is there anything that could be potentially true about this rumor out there that actually when Tom Brady was in New England, I'm only asking you because you're a New England guy. Yeah. We just talked about BYU. And he's in Florida, too. Is there anything that you could say that the reason with those deflated balls was actually because of Giselle? Yeah, is, it, is that the marital issues, Dave? Well, we know what it wasn't, so that's still definitely on the table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's an option. You know what? I think I'd play with deflated balls if I was uh, with Giselle, too. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> I just, I okay. just, I just take the fifth on a wise guy comment on that one. There's Dave, we're sending, we're sending Rowdy to Horny Jail, aka BYU. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving to Utah. Dave, we love you, buddy. Uh, we'll follow yeah. on Twitter, Dave. I just go S L E S S L E R pregame dot com. You the man, Dave, and happy NFL back. It feels so good, and I know you're going against your Patriots, but for you know, fandom's sake, I do hope the Pats get a win for you, dude. Okay. Uh, I don't, but okay, thank you. <laughs> for for hey, fandom's sake. There for are no more favorite for teams. It's only teams we bet on. That's exactly right, and it changes every day. <laughs> Dave, we love um, you, man. Have a, good re- have yeah. a great weekend. <laughs> you guys do. Thanks. Yeah, buddy. Was that a deflated balls Giselle joke, Rowdy? Yeah. yeah. Man, I know you're a, you're, you're a big Giselle fan, right? Who's not? That's, that's a good point. Apparently Tom Brady. The marital issues. I feel like that's the other way around. She's not a big Tom Brady fan right now because he continues to play football. <laughs> well, I know yeah. a guy that's younger and doesn't play football. And's got inflated balls. Or properly inflated balls. You. Well, I can't speak on your balls, but I assume they are. Weird, weirdly enough, maybe some people would consider him better looking than Tom Brady. Your balls? At least my draft combine picture would probably look better. <laughs> oh. We haven't talked to this cat in quite some time. I'm glad we finally get a chance to. And also a big event, UFC 279 on the way. We welcome in 
our guy Dan from Half the Battle at Best Fight Picks on Twitter. Dan, what's up, dude? And long time no talk. How are you? Dude, it's been way too long, but you know they say distance makes the heart grow fonder, and I feel like there's been something missing in my life, and now that void is finally filled <sighs> that I'm on here with you guys. So uh, how's it going? The desert. It's like the desert misses the rain, Dan. We finally got you back. It feels all so good. It's going great. It's going fantastic. How does it feel to have the NFL season football upon us, Dan? Uh, you're Atlanta Falcons. What are we thinking on this year for uh, the Dirty Birds? Uh, we're thinking a Super Bowl victory. You know exactly what we're thinking. I mean, the Braves won it. The Braves won the World Series last year, and you know the Falcons about to take it home. So yeah, we're feeling amazing. Um, but you Falcons? know, listen, I'm a diehard Atlanta sports fan. I know I'm talking to my boys in Wisconsin right now, so everybody listening. Pay me no attention, but I'm very loyal to it to my city. Uh, so loyal that uh, Marcus Mariota going to carry the Falcons to a Super Bowl. I, I love it, Dan. Hey, just like you said that, every year I say the same thing about the Packers. We're going to win the Super Bowl. But here's the thing. I think our chances are a little better than the Falcons. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay, Dan. It's right. At least you guys have the Braves. I mean, we have the, the Brewers. We like to call them the Boers or, or the, the Ewers. Ewers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, you know, what, you know what's funny about that is like, so I still play Madden 2018 because that was the year that the the Falcons made it to the Super Bowl. So they're rated 92 in that version. But every version since then, they're like rated 70. So I haven't upgraded since Madden uh, 2018. Yeah, I haven't played Madden since like, God, since maybe the Packers won the Super Bowl 2010, 2011, somewhere in that range. So there you go. <laughs> uh, Dan, catch us up on life really quick, man. How's everything going? What's good in Atlanta? Everything is going amazing, man. Um, actually... I've been studying to get my real estate license. I oh. passed the class on my first attempt, so now I'm approved to sit for the state exam. So I'm going to do that in October. Hope to pass it on my first attempt. I've uh, been training jiu-jitsu every day. got my purple belt a couple months ago, yeah. so yeah. life is going great. Awesome. Good for you, man. Yeah, good time to get into the market, too, and start auditioning out some houses, get that bankroll doing. And speaking of bankrolls, dude, I, a little birdie, told me that you are in fuego, hot as hell, on picking in MMA, UFC. Are, Rowdy said he's been telling you on this. Rowdy, what did you say to me that Dan is just out of his mind? Yeah, his, his last eleven picks, folks. He's ten and one. Dan, what's the what's the secret? What's the recipe here? Listen, guys, I don't know what it is, but this year has been insane. I mean, we're already in September, and I got a thirty percent ROI for this entire year. Like that's uh, it's been the best year I've ever had. So let's just keep it going, man. I don't want to, you know, get ahead of myself. I don't want to get cocky, but no matter what. We'll keep the discipline. We'll keep the money management proper. We're not going to go too crazy, but we're going to get these incremental wins and end the year on top. Awesome. Dude. So, Dan, let's go right to it. The the big event for UFC 279. Uh, two fan favorites at very different stages of their careers. Tell the fine folks uh, who's fighting and what Dan from uh, Half the Battle podcast is uh, looking at here. Well, obviously in the main event, you got the, the new blood, Hamzat Shemaev. He's a very scary Russian, but he's a minus fifteen hundred favorite, and he's taking on the guy that we all know and love, Nate Diaz. I mean, how can you not love Nate Diaz? The guy that upset Conor McGregor, the first one to hand him a defeat inside the UFC's octagon. And I get why fans are interested in taking a shot on Nate Diaz, but you can't bet emotionally. I mean, listen, you also can't lay minus fifteen hundred. What that means is you have to put down fifteen hundred dollars to win a hundred. You gotta put down three grand to win two hundred. That's if he wins. If he loses, uh you better, you know, go go work on the streets for a little bit. But yeah, it's just not worth taking a price like that. And with Nate Diaz, I mean if you're gonna put a little beer money on him, I get it. Unless you have some kind of strong conviction that you think he's coming out here and getting this upset, which I personally do not think. Um, you know, I think he's a gangster. I think he's a bad mofo, but I just don't think he's going to get the job done Saturday night. Well, you're talking about conviction. Nate Diaz doesn't seem like he's got a lot of conviction to be in the octagon. And there's a lot of reports coming out that says he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, what's up with that? Have you been hearing that, Dan? Yeah, but you know what, guys? I've been hearing that for like the last half a decade from, from Nate Diaz. <laughs> you know, he's always had this kind of love-hate relationship with the game, but that's what makes him so intriguing. He's so real. You know, he's someone that, you know, he, he marches to the beat of his own drum. He doesn't care about the rules. He doesn't care about the judges. He plays by Nate Diaz's rules. And that's going to cost him, you know, especially when you're talking about betting money. But when you're talking about being a fan and enjoying, I mean, he's all the entertainment. Like his last fight against the current welterweight champion, Leon Edwards. I mean, he lost four and a half rounds of that fight. But in the last minute of the last round, he rocked 
Leon Edwards, and that's all anybody remembers, right? So if you had a bet on Nate Diaz, you lost, but according to the streets, Nate Diaz won. So <laughs> if, if Nate Diaz can Stockton slap a guy, the basically the public thinks he won. Is he, right. just, is he just living on? Is it just name? Is it what he did with Conor McGregor? Was that UFC one ninety six? Is it just name that he's living on? I mean, listen, we we can't discredit his other accomplishments. I mean, this is also a guy that beat Donald Cerrone back in the day. This is a guy that beat Anthony Pettis, beat Jim Miller. So he's been involved in a lot of big fights. He won the Ultimate Fighter season five. So you know, but the McGregor fight was obviously you know one of the biggest upsets in the history of the sport. So, but it, that's not his only accomplishment. That was just yeah. the one that really rose him to that level where he's at now, where it's big fights only. Yeah. See, I, I put Diaz kind of in the same category as I put Masvidal. They're great journeymen that have some really, really good wins, but they also have a lot of losses. But fans love them. Yeah, I mean, how can you not love them? Always involved in entertaining fights. It's just that when you're talking about the elite of the elite, it's just a completely different level when you get to the top five of any weight class in the UFC. But if you're outside the top five, you're you're in for a serious fight. I mean, even if you're in the top five, I mean, Leon Edwards was cruising to a victory, and he got rocked with one minute left. So you got to be on your P's and Q's when you're fighting guys like this. Dan joining us right now. Follow him on Twitter at Best Fight Picks, Half the Battle Podcast. Dan, um, uh, Tony Ferguson coming back. Uh, has he lost, what, four fight losing skid for to- Tony Ferguson? What do we expect from him coming up? Yeah, I mean, listen, so you guys know about Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. So every Tuesday night, Dana has this show. It's called Contender Series, and that's where he looks to sign new prospects. And he's been signing a lot of them lately. And the media asked him a question afterwards. They were like, are you going to be releasing a lot of fighters since you know to make room for all the new people you've been signing off Contender Series? And you know what Dana said? Dana said, no, because we know of a lot of guys that are going to be retiring soon. And as you saw... Uh, Luke Rockhold recently retired. There was this Italian fighter named Alessio DiCarico that retired. I know, I know for a fact Frankie Edgar is about to retire. And also this weekend, gentlemen, I think Nate Diaz and Tony Ferguson are some of those fighters mm. that Dana was referring to that are going to retire. So listen, I get it. You see a big price tag next to Tony Ferguson. You've been a fan of his for a long time. You're intrigued to take the shot. And my history betting his opponent, Li Jing Liang, is absolutely terrible. You know, whenever <laughs> whenever I pick him to win, he loses. And whenever I I um, pick him to lose, he wins, right? But So what, do you, what are you picking, Wolfadia? <laughs> I'm, I'm picking Li Jing Liang to come out here and knock Tony Ferguson out. So all the Tony Ferguson fans, that means we have, we have a chance here. So, Dan, I want to look at one matchup here. One matchup, because okay. we're talking about exciting fights that get fans going, that gets the buzz in the arena. I think one looking at this card just from a casual fan's perspective, it's got to be Walker and Kudalaba. There's going to be some big punches thrown, and somebody is going to be knocked out. Yeah, there's definitely a good chance of that. I mean, you're talking about two wild men. And when you talk about a guy like Johnny Walker, when he first came into the UFC, I thought that this was a guy that could challenge the great John Jones. Reason being is the guy's six foot six. He's got the eighty two inch reach. He's a freak athlete. I bet if you uh, had to test what his vertical jump was, I bet he's up there with some NBA players. I mean, this guy was coming out there and getting first minute knockouts, flying knees, spinning elbows, the whole ordeal. And he did this little celebration where he did the worm after one of his flying knee knockouts and he blew out his shoulder. And ever since then, he just hasn't been the same guy. And we just don't know what the deal is. Like we want to see that same Johnny Walker that first came into the UFC and his opponent, Iwan Kutalaba doesn't have the same physical attributes as Johnny Walker, but he's another killer be killed type guy. He's just going to go out there, you know, um, put it all on the line. And someone's definitely going to get finished in this one. So, yeah, I'm excited for that fight. Uh, Dan, let me ask you, man, looking at the card, what's one that you're looking at? Because you are, huh, what do you say, 10 and 1 right now? Uh, what are you looking at? You're like, this one I can like, this one I find value on, this one is for me. What does Dan have? So the first, the first fight of the night, uh, there's this Canadian fighter named Johan Lemess. Um, he's currently an underdog. I, I line him. You know, at least pick him, if not pick him, you know, maybe even a minus 150 favorite. I think he wins six out of ten times. You know, 60% of the time, that's a minus 150 favorite. I got him around plus 116. I even took him at plus 114 after that. I think there's value on him at dog odds. Listen, 
don't go too crazy on it because there are concerns if the fight gets extended. But this guy comes in here with serious knockout power. Um, I've even seen him hit takedowns as well. And his opponent is very inexperienced. So I think he's got a matchup on a level playing field, and I love the odds. So I got Johan Vaness to to kick things off. Love it, dude. And I got to ask you this, something that uh, I don't think anyone could have bet on this. We didn't know it was really going to happen. So UFC 279, uh, they had their press conference yesterday. It got canceled because of a big scrum behind the scenes. Do you know what the hell was going on with Dana White canceling this thing last night? Yeah, I mean, allegedly... So so one of these things that you guys got to know is with these guys that are such big stars, Nate Diaz, Hamza Chimaev, you know, with with a lot of fighters, they just have, you know, their coach and two cornermen, and that's about it. But these guys, they're surrounded by yes men. They're surrounded <laughs> by an army of yes men. So when you have two alpha males and each of them have, you know, 50 to 100 yes men with them, you know, uh, tensions are going to flare and, you know, apparently water bottles started being thrown at each other. and The UFC allegedly didn't have enough security to separate it, so they called the press conference, which I wasn't there, so I can't really give a valid comment, but my invalid comment is I think this press conference should have went on anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I just have one more thing I want to say because we're talking about exciting fights, you know, things that captivate the fans. I'm looking at one matchup and just one matchup because I need to see it. It's Jake Collier and Chris Barnett. Chris Barnett is 5'9", and I think he cuts to get to 265. And Jake Collier is a guy that used to fight, like, what, at 185? And now he's ballooned up to probably 285? Right, yeah. I mean, both these guys definitely haven't been skipping, uh, you know, eating their uh, Tuesday night pizza. And these guys (laughs) have definitely been uh, stacking up uh, the weight. But, yeah, listen, it's going to be a fun one. You know, both these guys, for being as big as they are, they throw spitting attacks. Uh, you know, you're going to see uh, someone get finished in that one. But let me tell you this, man. The fight that I'm most excited about is Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez. I mean, it's an 180-pound catch weight, And both these guys, I mean, Kevin Holland, he's one of the most talented guys that we've seen in a long time. And he'll talk to his opponents in the middle of fights. You know, Dana used to call him Big Mouth when he first came on the scene. But... You, you see flashes of brilliance. And his opponent, Daniel Rodriguez, this is a guy who's completely changed his life around. He came up boxing in prison. Now he's oh. boxing inside the octagon. And uh, this guy, he, according to me, he's uh, 7-0 in the UFC, but he lost one fight via a very controversial decision. But for MMA standards, you know, I know a lot of people say that the UFC fighters, they, they can't box. But for MMA standards, Daniel Rodriguez has some really sharp hands. So I'm very intrigued by that Kevin Holland versus Daniel Rodriguez fight. Dan, absolutely uh, awesome stuff, as always. Before I get a different prediction from you, I have to let uh, all the listeners know, if they want to consume your amazing stuff, how can they do so? Where can they find Half the Battle and everything else? Yeah, you can find my podcast, Half the Battle, anywhere podcasts are found. Literally anywhere. Just Beautiful. type in Half the Battle. And hit uh, hit subscribe, and you'll be uh, on your way. And like I said, I recommend that because Dan's been on fire yeah. lately. And at best fight picks on Twitter, also this a is, really this good is Correct, Dan. Before I let you go, NFL style. Now I'm predicting the Packers are going to beat the Vikings coming up here. I haven't asked Rowdy what his prediction is yet, but I have to ask you: Atlanta Falcons versus the New Orleans Saints. Who's Dan got? Oh, my God. I mean, do you guys want to know who I got? Or do you want the score? You want everything? Everything. I mean, give, it, give it to me all, baby. I, I, I think the Falcons are going to go out there and, and spank their rivals. You know, I think they're going to bend them over, spank them. I think it's going to be 32 to nothing. Woo-hoo! Woo! Danny the man. We love you, brother. <laughs> Much love, homie. Have a great weekend. And uh, happy gambling and happy fighting and happy real estate license and jujitsuing. The correct All right, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Let's catch these guys. Much love. Much love, Dan. See you, buddy. Have a good one. There he is. Uh, Rowdy, is uh, jujitsu wing? Is that the correct? You would say rolling. Oh, sorry. And happy rolling, Dan. <laughs> Nakia Watson, once a Wisconsin Badger. What happened to Nakia Watson again, RJ? Buried under the depth chart due to not being able to run. I'll tell you what happened to Nikia Watson. Yeah, what happened, Rody? He finally got some playing time. They uh, hand the football off to him, and he runs right in the back of his offensive lineman and falls down for about two yards at the max. That's what happened to Nikia Watson. I mean, that's what I said. <laughs> 
So Nakia Watson is now on Washington State. Let's... I already got his line. I already know how he's going to run. Okay, well, I was uh, texting, before you give your line, Rowdy, I was texting to uh, our sports director, Zach Heilprin. And he was after uh, after the show at Kenny and Heilprin at Monks and Sun Prairie last night. Great show. Bill Nagy was on. We love you, Bill. Uh, Zach stuck around to make sure that he was doing quality control on their beer. By the way, two thumbs up from Zach. The beer's really good and nice and ice cold. Nice. I asked Zach, over under on the Kia Watson yards Saturday. Zach goes, oof, 57. Under. RJ? It's, I, I mean, this, yeah, this Wisconsin defense shouldn't have to worry too much. Um, no, this is the best state of all the... Well, the three states and the battle of the states. Say, look at the defense. Ohio State's yeah, a different RJ, story. Yeah. Look at where the defense looked vulnerable against Illinois State. It wasn't on the defensive line. No. It wasn't at the linebacker position. It was clearly in the secondary. Yeah. And it Nikia was more Watson's so the cornerback. So, yeah. I mean, he can catch, but yeah, he, sure. that's not what they use him for. And we're strictly talking about rushing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's. When was the last time is this, this defense is this a gave up a hundred yard rusher? Is this is this a real legit line that Heilprin found, or is this just one he came up with? I think this is one that his booze soaked brain came up with at Monks. I when was, was going to say because him. if this is a real line where I could find a prop bet, I would hammer well, Nikki I mean, Watson under. This is the, he's the fountain of Wisconsin sports knowledge. Here it is. There's the big. I mean, based he, he on, off with based oof, on his average, one, he's averaging 117 yards a game right now. When I asked him the question, he goes, <laughs> "This is with this is with eight O's." Oh. Oof. 57. You know how I know that he's averaging that many yards? Clearly, they're playing non-Power 5 schools, RJ. And his his offensive line is getting off the football and just trucking people like eight yards down the field. That's And then he runs into (laughs) it. I will tell you his line. It'll be 20 carries for 42 yards. Sounds good. So uh, so say that one more time. 20 carries up for 42 yards. Oof. Let's see here. Uh, I think at some point, Washington State will abandon the run. So I'd say probably less than 20 carries. He's not going over 42 yards, regardless yeah. of carries. He could have 42. <laughs> so the, 42 the key, now, this was, now, now, this was against the Idaho Vandals. <laughs> I wish you guys could have seen Rowdy's reaction to that. Washington State wins 24-17 to 17 over the Idaho Vandals. Nakia Watson, 18 carries, 117 yards, no touchdowns, rushing. He averaged 6.5 yards a carry. Again, oh, boys. the Idaho Van. Boys. For yes. Wisconsin, he averaged 32 yards a game in his 16 games. Yeah. Yes, Rowdy. Found it. I found the prop. Oh, you found it? Yeah. Rushing props here. FanDuel Sports. Wow. Braylon Ooh. Allen over under rushing yards, 125 and a half. Nakia Watson over under 35, uh, 34 and a half. What was yours? 42, you said? 42. Yeah. And Zach's was 57? Man, that's a hard it's number. It's one again from Van... 34 and a half. Ooh. His, his career average before Damn. this is like 34 per game. Me thinks that Wisconsin defense is going to... He's taking it personally. Braylon He's Allen got a chip is on his supposed shoulder. to have three t- or sorry, four times as many rush yards as Bra- or, uh, Nakia Watson. <laughs> wow. The Washington State Cougars. Now, the Cougs only have one game under their belt. Um, so does Wisconsin. Oh, yeah, so does Wisconsin. Does. Sorry, I was thinking of week zero. Uh, but, yeah, 24-17. I don't even know. The Idaho Vandals. <laughs> Those damn Washington State, they've been sandbagging, only played one game. Yeah. I had week zero on the brain. Sorry, boys. It's okay. But, yes. Um, yeah, actually, I got a question for you guys. So I saw this yeah. going into last week. So you know how a lot of – well, not a lot, but there was like half a dozen games in uh, week zero. Yeah. What would you think would be more conducive to one. playing better the next week, RJ? The fact that you got to play the first week or week zero, and then you roll into week one playing a team that's never played, or you're the team that hasn't played, and you got to watch the first game tape on the team that played last week? I guess it depends on the quality of opponent. Um, I'm saying everything even. Okay. I'd say sitting and watching week zero. Because there's at least compet, excuse me, competitive game film you get to watch on a new season. And you would be correct. The teams that would sit <laughs> would and correct. get to watch the other team play a game and then get to diagnose their game film versus uh, getting out there and playing right away, 
way better when it comes to winning and covering games. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, all right. Speaking of all those gambling lines, again, Rowdy, remind, is, was it FanDuel you said? Yep, FanDuel and Nakia Watson over under 34 and a half yards. Yikes. You still going under? I'm going to make a bet with our sports director. I'll take the under 57 and a half yards. So does that mean you're taking the over at FanDuel? <laughs> We're not going to play that line. This is why we have multiple lines. <laughs> That's why we have multiple lines. Do you have to recon... Now, it was a conversation that Zach and I had together when Zach was in the grips of addiction. Do you have to do it now that he's hung over this morning? Yeah, we can just revisit I'm going to text him. Yeah, just revisit him. I'm going to text him. He doesn't. Do you think he's going to remember an actual prop line? I'll see if he remembers it. I'll see if he remembers it. Well, doesn't he doesn't need to remember it. You have you have evidence proof that are these text messages. I think he remembers.